Every one of you should have your hands up. Every one of you should have your hands up. You see, we have all been adopted into God's family. We've got a special verse here. Let's read it together. Mark, click on that first verse for us, if you will. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Lord, today, as we recognize our adoption into your family, we thank you that you chose us. Why? I don't know, but you did, and we give you thanks for it. Today, remind us of what you've chosen us for and of how we can respond to you and allow you to work through our lives in the way that you have called us to do. Lead us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now today we're going to deal with an issue that I think is huge because it helps us to understand how God feels and how God thinks about each one of us. And that's why I started off with that verse reminding us that we have been adopted into God's family. This is the last in our neighbor series and we're going to have some testimonies from a few of our loved families here. We have two families who are going to be able to share about different issues or areas of understanding how adoption works, how it works specifically. So uh, our responses to our family may very well decide whether we are truly in a family and that we truly understand what that term family means. We often say lighthouse is a place where friends become what? Family. And and the intention of that is to say we want to be more than just friends. We want to have an attachment and a commitment to one another that declares us as family. And not like a baseball team, but as a church. As a group of people who love God deeply and who choose to love others as well. Let's watch this first video by the... uh, Uh, not the founder, but the present president of Focus on the Family, as he shares with us how the fact is that he was an orphan as well. We use the term religion, and religion is the process by which we respond to God's relationship in our lives. It's, a, it's an understanding, a series of beliefs and values that God has spoken to us about and that have become part of who we are. So when someone says, Leo, are you religious? I go, well, I have a relationship with God that has made me religious. It means that I want desperately to do what God desires for me to do. Interesting scripture here we're going to throw up here. And this is the first one you have in your outline. And it talks about how are we supposed to respond to the cries of orphans. And scripture says this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, it's this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. So oftentimes people say, you know, Pastor Lee, what's God's will for my life? I could just point you to this verse. And you go, oh. That's not easy. No, it's not. It's incredibly difficult. And it'll incur a lot of struggle and question in your life. But, but who are orphans? Who are widows in their distress? And we want to look at that today and try to get a handle on what is our responsibility? How does God strengthen us? How is he directing us to that? How do you, 
uh, as a family, respond to orphans that you find yourself interacting with? Uh, what if you're the answer to some child's prayers? You're the answer to that prayer that Jim Daly was sharing. And, and they're crying and saying, God, do you care? Do you care? And then you come into the picture. And you become an answer, not just a statement. I, I want to have a, one of our families come up right now. That's uh, Manashi. You know Marge. Give her a hand. She has her husband with you that you may not know as well. That is Nassim. That's how you say it. Nassim. Give Nassim a hand. I've got chairs here for them because they can write like that. That's great. Now, you may not know, but Marge and Nassim are foster parents who have become adoptive parents, I think, now. But they were foster parents for quite a while. And so I want them to share with us their story of how they became an answer to someone else's prayers. So how did Gloria come into your life? Hold it one minute. You're going to need this. And that was my bad, not putting it into play. Okay, wonderful. That should do it. Well, we uh, had been married 10 years and um, found out on Christmas Eve that we were unable to have uh, children and uh, went back to Wisconsin. 40 below, surprised my mom from the airport and uh, had just kind of given up on that possibility of even adopting. And we tried three different adoptions, um, and, and nothing seemed to, to pan out. And then uh, my sister said, hey, you know, the neighbor guy has a little gal that is up for adoption. And would you guys be interested? And so we said yes. And when we called L.A., they said, oh, well, we don't do cross-county adoptions, and who are you, and why do you know about this little gal? And we said, well, we know the fam- a family member. And that was in August. And then on January 3rd, we got a phone call asking if we would uh, take this child. And, of course, I happened to answer the phone, and I said yes. Uh, <laughs> only because and I say that because prior to all that and years before that, I said adoption was not an option because we couldn't have kids. Mm. So God had done a marvelous work in me. And it, partly because around Father's Day, I always saw dads with their kids and wondered what it would be like to be a dad. Mm. And that's why I said yes. And you found out. <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Totally, a lot of work. So we took classes in L.A. and in Orange County, and then by that, uh, that was in 96. Uh, wow. And then we, uh, we met Gloria. And she went to him first. He looked a lot like the foster dad. She'd only had one um, foster home. She was nine pounds at nine months and um, taken off the streets of L.A. and had one wonderful family that prayed and prayed over her for years. She has mitochondrial disorder and is developmentally delayed, so it's a a twofold thing. (laughs) So it's double work on that. But we soon found out, you know, I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me is totally <laughs> a verse that every day, you know, we live that. And so at the age of four, she was 25 pounds, and we adopted Gloria into our home. And um, Psalm 66, verses 1 and 2 is, is the scripture that is her, her life verse. And um, she's been in our home ever ever since she was four years old. This is a little tiny bitty thing. Oh, what was it, what were the unexpected things that happened? You got adopted. And what, are, what are a couple unexpected things? Everything. <laughs> well, you know, she came with a book 12 inches high. I know when you're parents, you don't get that that privilege, in, I guess. Uh, 12 inches high. It was uh, the medical and, and the uh, social worker came and he said, well, do you still want her? And what did we say? Well, we took her to uh, a couple doctors and he did an exam and asked if we wanted her, even after knowing what was uh, the results. And we said, of course, there's, we're going to take it regardless. Wow. And I remember the one psychologist sitting with my mom, and we had just gone through some testing. He said, oh, she will never read. She will only echo Lilia back. And if you know Gloria, she talks more than <laughs> me, and that's a no, lot. stop. <laughs> so I just said to him, I said, well, obviously... You don't serve the God that I do. I said, and secondly, I'm a teacher, and I will make sure she gets every single possibility. So today she's 24, going on 25, and works at Goodwill. Takes three special ed classes at the new Coastline College and is in really good health and uh, spunky as ever. She has my spunk, Mm. but his looks. (laughs) So I don't know which (laughs) one is good or bad. (laughs) I um, think I had sweat. (laughs) <laughs> totally, totally just a blessing. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wow. full-time job, as, as all of you that are parents know. That's just great. Anything you want to add, Nassim? <laughs> she said it all. Yeah. All right, why don't you give him a hand? Thanks so much for sharing with us. You don't know what you're going to get yourself into. But we do know the God who places us into position so that we can respond. And that's the key. And that's why we see over and over in the scriptures the directive that God desires. God desires for us to respond to the needs of orphans and children. Take a look at these little pictures here, okay? Now we talk about there's the little orphan, there's a couple. Some more. More yet. One of our good friends brought over some children from China. And here we have a little guy saying, boy, been in Nigeria and seen that very guy <laughs> about a hundred times, as Glenn knows well. You see the faces and you find yourself going, oh. See, when you don't see the face, you can go, well. But once you see the face, once you hear the cries, there's an echo in our heart. It's God's echo that says, you need to respond to this. And the only answer that we can give him appropriately is, how? How do you want me to respond to the cries of the orphan? Kelly and John Rosati, who wrote this book called Wait No More, great book. I just read it this week. And it deals with their recognition while they were in Hawaii uh, that God had called them 
uh, to adopt. And they were surprised. They didn't have any children at the time. And they were going, you know, Lord, how is this going to take place? And the first child that they were ready to adopt, it didn't work at all. She's an older one that came in, and it was just crazy. And they, they, they gave her back in the foster system. And they were shocked by it. And you would think, well, that's it. That's the end of that. But that's not what happened at all. Instead, God renewed their understanding and their interest, their comprehension, and he opened up the door for another child. And it ended up they now have four uh, foster children that they've adopted. Okay, they've become their children. And this book is all about that. So I want to encourage you. In a little bit, I'm going to hand out copies of that to anybody who wants copies, wants to read. You want to cry, read the book, you'll cry. Okay? You'll go, my goodness, this is incredible what God has done. But not only that, they have become the advocates and focus of the family to speak to thousands of churches and to share with them out of their own experience how God can use people to make a difference in the lives of orphans and widows. This is a quote that she shares here from the, uh, to a set of, of reporters. She said, we realized that this was our calling. This is what God put us on earth to do, to become a family to the children who have no family. And the reporter responded to her and she said, you mean Christian couples are learning how hard this might be. And in the end, like Marge in the scene, they are choosing to do it anyway because it's the heart of God. And she said, you got it. That's exactly That's exactly what is taking place on a consistent basis today. See, we believe in the sanctity of life. We care about all life. The newborn child, the pregnant teenage girl who is scared to death. We care about the brokenhearted adult who lost parental rights. And many of you right now are saying, you know, Pastor Lee, I hear this, but I could never, ever be a foster parent. And let me say this to you. Before you make that decision, you need to pray and ask God if he's chosen you to be a foster parent. So everybody bow your heads right now. Close your eyes. Father, we come to you. And we asked. Have you chosen us? Have you directed us to be a foster parent? And if you have, then make that clear. In the days and weeks to come, perhaps today, perhaps tomorrow, but make it clear so we'll know, hey, that's our calling. Thank you, Lord, as you make that clear to each one of us. Amen. Now, if you say, well, I couldn't do that. My heart would be broken. I'd be crying. I'd be hurting. I'd be in pain. And I'd go, well, since when does serving God turn into songs of joy all the time? That's not what it's about. It's not about our convenience and our comfort. You say, I want to protect my heart from breaking. What about a child whose heart is broken and desperately needs healing? And you have the ability to do it. Will you respond to their prayers? So I've got three books here for three different people. And instead of me getting a hand raised, I'm just going to set them right down here. And you guys know who you are. They're supposed to come and get the book. So there they are. You can come down and get it later so no one will see you and go, Oh, that's wonderful. You're going to adopt? <laughs> no, I'm just going to read the book. I want to get a handle on it. And perhaps God will use you to direct somebody else 
and to encourage someone else in terms of their ability and their calling. Well, what about the needs of broken families? Of broken families. God tells us to respond to broken families by defending, by rescuing, and by delivering. Let's take a look at that verse here on this, this broken family area here. Read it with me. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. God has called us to rescue, to deliver, to defend. Those are incredibly strong words in relationship to broken families, to divorce, to poverty, to substance abuse, to incarceration, to homelessness, to domestic abuse. And we need to stand behind these words. I remember my mom, I talked to her and I said, you know, I believe in the sanctity of life. She says, I do too, but I think abortion is okay. And I said, what? She said, because those babies, if they're not aborted, won't be taken care of. There are not lines of people waiting even to take care of those who are in foster care. Thousands of churches, hundreds of people choosing to defend the cause of the fatherless, to be involved in that area. How terrific if churches got so focused and so understanding this area that we start having waiting lists. When is it my turn? When do I have the opportunity? And we understand it so well that the church as a whole has got structure set up to give support and encouragement and direction. God is incredibly concerned and he's moving He's involved, and he's involved here at Lighthouse. Let's get another family up here. I'm going to ask Linda Parker. Coral's going to come up with them. Come on up. Now, many of you know Linda and Coral, so give them a hand as they come up. It's always fun to get, come up with a hand. Now, there's some interesting stories you're going to hear here from Linda, some of which I didn't even know until I got a chance to talk with her more deliberately and intentionally. In the midst of this right now, you guys need to be praying for them Terry, who is the dad in this case, is going through a difficult time of of rehabilitation. Uh, Many of you know uh, issues with cancer. He's lost his voice box. There's a variety of just hard things, and Linda's been handling that. And uh, we've been coming alongside, but probably not enough. We could probably do a little bit better. So be aware of that. I throw that out. Um, Jean and I were over working with her yesterday, so we were able to put together a few things. But she needs more support, and unfortunately, she's probably not going to ask you for it. You, know, you guys know that. Amy, you know that one, right, Amy? He goes, I'm, not gonna, I'm a single mom, and I need some help, but I'm probably not going to ask you for it unless you ask me specifically what I need, and then maybe I can share. So I encourage you to share with Linda. I'm putting her on the spot here. She's going to go, Pastor! I go, I know, but that's too bad. So she lives down the way, and Jean's gotten involved, and so I was able to put in a microwave the other day, and so that was good. But there's just these things. She, she doesn't have her husband alongside to take care of some of these necessary areas. I know some of you are useless as husbands, but <laughs> many wives have husbands who are very useful, you know, right? She looks over, so the rights look over, you know, go over, and goes, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very useful. I can do floors. I do all kinds of good things. Yeah, I'm great. So if you have a useful husband, then you recognize the need for them in our lives today. 
So with Linda, Linda is, is an interesting phenomenon. And what we're talking about is broken families and dealing with families that are, that are broken. And oftentimes, broken families are families within our own structure that have fallen apart for one reason or another. Sometimes it's, it's drug use. Uh, it's alcohol abuse. It's uh, financial uh, ruin. It's, it's right. We could bring the fifths up here. They could come up and share about, you know, their structure. And so grandparents become what? Parents. Exactly. So that's what happened with Linda. Why don't you share with us a little bit of the story? See, I got this over here. Yes, that should work. Coral and I, are we on? Yeah, it should be on. Coral and I discussed this last night over dinner. I haven't had really that much time to prepare and, and all that all the many years, Coral's 19 now, all the many years, uh, I'm going to try to encapsulate. <laughs> uh, in 1991, my, my uh, son David called me, and he was um, hysterical. He wanted me to put him in a rehab. Uh, he, he, was, um, he had tried every drug in the world and was now hooked. Um, so after calling around, we got him into it's called Calvary Ranch, uh, sponsored by Calvary Church in Lakeside, California. Gathered the money, put him in. Then um, a gal also was put into that facility who became Coral's mother. So um, two addicted people mm. in rehab. They, my son left after uh, about a week after her mom came in. Uh, within a, a year or so, they, they married, and it was like, from worse to worse. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when uh, Coral was born, we watched really carefully, and and uh, we were kind of watching to see if things were going to come unglued, and they did. And um, when she was nine months old, I got a phone call from my daughter. She had been taken in the back of a police car to Polinsky Center, which is um, like Orangewood here in Orange County. So I came home from that discussed it with my husband and I said I think we're going to have to get involved here and we mm-hmm. did we hired an attorney we got involved um, because she was not being taken care of um, properly both parents were doing drugs and alcohol um, her mother is an alcoholic I know she she said she'd be a little bit embarrassed I'm trying shouldn't be it has nothing to do with you yeah. you are a wonderful yeah. young lady Right? <laughs> Those who know her know it. Anyway, over um, the years, we were, well, we'd never been in a courtroom or um, had to hire an attorney or talk with mediators. or um, So that was all new to us, plus paying for all of this. Um, but we, we um, convinced the court when she was very young. Uh, she, she was given custody. We were given custody of her for a couple of years, and she lived with us as a a baby. But then, um, if I I know that there's not many of you, or maybe there are many of you that have uh, experienced um, alcoholism and drugs. Um, They're the best liars in the world. How many people experience alcoholism and drug issues? Raise your hands. Okay, it gives you a pretty good idea. Okay. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) Half of us. So they're the, they're the best liars in the world. Yes. And um, uh, what happened to my husband and I is the tables were turned. Everything was our fault. We were the bad guys. Um, 
so we, it, that was okay. Um, I forgot to tell you one thing, which is really important. Way back when, he, when my son called me, and I was on the phone, on the phone, on the phone, and he was calling out, I'm going to kill myself. I, you. I fell to my knees, and I said, Lord, I need you. And I rededicated my life at that time, joined the church, the crossing. And this little girl, every time she was, would be with me, um, she started in the nursery and came all the way up through all the different mm-hmm. steps. So she's a um, very spiritual young lady. I look out, and so many of you have helped us. So many of you have been father images to Coral. Um, I would love to mention names, but I, I thought if I start mentioning names, I'm going to leave somebody out. Um, and I don't want to leave anybody out because this church has been her heart. Her heart. She knows she can call any of you, and, and you'll do for her. And she appreciates. She doesn't forget. She really appreciates. Anyway, um, finally, it, it was verbal abuse um, in, in um, the home that, that Coral was in. She was going to a Catholic school. That helped a lot because she, was, she um, studied uh, the word. And this girl now that she's, um, she is an adult, she's 19, mm-hmm. um, reminds me, she's my reminder, you know, turn it over to the Lord. She calls me Mama. Turn it over to the Lord, you know, and she reminds me when I get stressed and, and when, especially during this time, you know, that she's, she's become my rock. <laughs> um, anyway, I, it was, um, we went back and forth to San Diego because even though grandparents' rights got tossed out, the judge saw that um, she needed to be around us a little bit. So we had visitation rights every, uh, every other weekend. We'd go to San Diego, pick her up, take her back on Monday mornings to school. Um, then that became every weekend because she was calling out. She really wanted to be up here. And then she was the one that, um, um, when she graduated from the parochial school, she went to La Jolla High, and she was the one, she went to counselors. And and didn't want to go to her classes. She would sit in the counselor's office until it took her a week to get them to to listen. And um, anyway, it was one of the it was the vice principal of that school that uh, arranged with my son that she could come up here and and live and go to school here. They were, I had never I didn't even talk with my son. It was his vice principal that stepped in. So we went and got her, and she started living with us. But then we. We didn't have, um, I couldn't take her to a doctor without calling her dad. I couldn't do, I didn't have the authority to, to, to because I was only, only a grandparent. You're only a grandparent. You can't do this. You can't do that. So we took only a grandparent um, back to court. <laughs> and we um, uh, filed for guardianship. She was old enough to talk to the judge. Um, again, the lies and the accusations, and it was all my fault, all Terry's fault. Um, ugly, ugly. And I don't know if any of you know this, but June Russell went to court with us. Uh-huh. And that's what this body has done for us. You know, we, 
you're there. You're there for us. And I, when it comes to Coral, I know who to call. When it comes to me, I get scared. <laughs> like right now, I got scolded by Pastor Lee, you know, for not calling. <laughs> anyway, that's um, that's kind of our story. Uh, now she's, you know, she's 19, so we don't have any issues about um, who she's going to be with or what she wants. And looking just a few days ago, I was looking back on on this God's plan. We only live two or three houses down. She can walk over to here to any event, and she does. And she can, and then the people that have embraced her live just in a circle here. And we so appreciate you. We really appreciate every everyone, all that you've done, all that you've given back to us. Thank you. All right. Father, we thank you for this couple. Thank you for Linda and for Coral. Thank you that you're working in their lives powerfully. And we pray for Terry, that you'll bring healing, that you'll double the process today, that he'll find himself quickly out, and especially, we ask, that you might cause him to turn fully to you. Thank you, Lord, as you work there. Even now, you're well. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Give them a hand. Someone said, investing in the life of one child will not change the world. But it will change his or her world. Totally. Completely. Incredibly. Marvelously. Uh, So that was pretty heavy, right? So we dealt with two testimonies. We said, wow, they were so wonderful to come up and share with us their hearts and their emotions and what's taking place there. Well, how do we respond to the needs of those orphans close by? She say, well, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm called to foster, and my kids are doing well. I don't need to parent them, so I'm so thankful. Thank you, Lord. But what about the other needs of those orphans who are close by? Let's look at the verse here that God gives us in relationship to this. And he says this, I'm a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. See, there are real needs of real people that live near you. Uh, recently, when Mary and I actually we lived on Carnation, and we had a young family who were just struggling. As we'd gone through these struggles, they just had a newborn baby, and the mom uh, was getting no sleep, none at all. And she began to, to take her baby, and she put her in the car seat. We actually did this, too. And she'd drive her around until she'd fall asleep, and then she'd kind of very softly take her out and bring her back in and lay her on the crib. And she said inevitably what would happen, though, was she'd wake right back up when she put her in the crib. She was exhausted. It had been three or four days, and Mary and I got the chance to talk with her. I said, look, we're very capable grandparents. We'll be happy to take your child. The next time this happens, you're tired, just bring her over, and we'll take care of it. Now, that's really hard to do. So I still remember sitting at the window in our house. I'm looking out the window. I see this car going by, back and forth, back and forth. I go, I think I know who that is. I walk out the front door. It's about 10 o'clock at night. I walk out the front door, and she goes, hi. 
said, now, come here. So we took the baby and brought the baby inside, and she went home to go to bed. You sure? You sure? You sure? We're sure. And took over to Mary. Mary grabs a hold of her. Thirty minutes later, the baby's out cold. Okay. Sleeps the entire night. It was tough on us, but we managed somehow. <laughs> Next morning, the mom comes back refreshed and, oh, thank you so much. And da, 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 da. And we're thinking, it was hard. It was really hard. But... No, we did. We said, you kidding? This is wonderful. And that was the last time she needed that. The baby the next night slept all the way through. Things went well. When you see the needs of people around you, respond. Meet the needs as you have the ability to meet. Um, we had a gal in our neighborhood with her stroller. It happened just, just a few days ago. And she was on her stroller. And she had to run upstairs to get something. She left her cell phone sitting on her stroller. She came back down. The cell phone was gone. She comes over to my house. Lee, Lee, you know what happened to that? I said, take it easy. No, do you, do you have a computer? Yeah, I've got it. I said, well, go up to your computer and check on that. I'll, I'll hold on to Lincoln while you do that. So she runs up to her gets her computer and go. I said, now we'll bring it to, you, to David, the IT guy. <laughs> said, so he takes it, da, 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 says, oh, yeah, it's, all, it's on Wilson and Placentia. I go, really? Yeah, it's right there. I can see where it's at. He says, someone took it all right. You're right. He said, but watch this. He types in the thing, hit the alarm. And I don't know if you know anything about iPhones, but it hits the alarm. And he said, let me show you what he just got, Dad. He flips it to my phone. Beep, 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 beep. I'm going, I'm going, whoa, dude, shut it off. He says, yeah. He said, I can. He can't. <laughs> I went, man. And he said, and then he said, and we'll put this text over. It says, this phone is stolen. Immediately call this number. And they did. Someone found it, called the dad. Dad went and got it. He said, it was kind of sketchy, but we got it. Got it back, did the whole thing. Responding to the needs with your ability. So David was able to respond in this particular case with us. And I was able to respond somewhat. Hand it off to somebody else. Which oftentimes is what you do. You hand off to somebody else. We have so many men here that have been involved. Uh, yesterday it was Gene Getz who got involved with us. Replaced the microwave in terms of uh, the situation was taking place with, with Linda. Uh, Steve Lazar helping out with cars. Tony Peck. It could go on and on and on and on. And I just so commend you men that are doing that. And I encourage the rest of you, get involved in caring for the needs of those who are hurting and struggling. All right? Last thing, worship team, come on up. What about the needs of our church family specifically? Remember we started off with this verse. Let's take a look at it again. This verse where it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. As I read that verse, I was reminded of Würzburg, Germany, where I received Christ as my Savior and Lord. And I remember the day standing in the parking lot, and I've shared this story with you before. I was standing in the parking lot, and I... I just been reading the word, and I had a brother who was sharing and encouraging me. And I walked out, and I'd been wandering through this whole thing. I'd asked Jesus to become my Savior and Lord, but I just wasn't sure what was going on. And it was as if a light came from heaven while I was standing in the parking lot, and a voice spoke. <laughs> it was amazing. It wasn't audible outside. It was right in my heart. And this is what the voice said. It said, I am your father. I was like, what is going on? You're my, my father, and you're my son. I was shocked. 
and tears began flowing down my face, which I'm sure you're very surprised about. But uh, I began just going, Lord, you're truly my father. I recognize I've been adopted into his family. And some of you here haven't had that experience, and I so much want you to have it. It's the experience that takes place when you respond to God by admitting your need. You admit the fact that you're without a father, you're fatherless, that you desperately need relief from this sin that has invaded your life and is bringing destruction and devastation to you. And that sin is just causing you to be beat down and broken. And Jesus is saying, hey, I died on the cross specifically to take care of your sin problem. If you will believe that I did just that, just say it. Lord, God, I believe that you died for me on the cross and that you defeated the power of sin in my life and have provided with me the opportunity now to be forgiven forever. Just say it. Lord, I believe. And then you commit to him as Lord and you commit to him as Savior. And something changes. Everything changes. And God begins the process of clarifying to you this wonderful message that every adoptive child asks. And they always ask this. They said, if you had a chance again, would you adopt me? And the answer is the same one that Nassim gave. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how capable you are. It's not about how physically together you are. You see, we made a choice, and God made it too. And his choice was to adopt you into his family. And he will never, ever let you go. Father, today, we come to you as your children, sons and daughters. And we thank you that you've brought us into your family. If there's anyone here that hasn't had that experience, that they don't know you as Lord and Savior, that they don't know the Father and understand how much He wants to protect and to guide us and to lead us. Lord, I ask that you would bring them in now. Choose them now. Bring them into your family that they might know the joy that comes as a result of responding to you. Lord, that's, that's my prayer to you. That's my request before you now. Draw these here as you drew me and allow them to experience the wonder becoming a child of God. Thank you, Lord, as you do that even now. Well, for some of you, you need to be thinking through that prayer. And others of us, we need to be praying about, Lord, what is it that you want from me? What do you want from us? What do you want to do in us? We can't do everything, but we can do something. We can pray. We can attend events and give support. We can put together a shower for adoption. We can provide a meal to people who need it. We can babysit. We can provide transportation. We can take some diapers in, get a car seat, provide a dress or a pair of jeans. Uh, we can serve Lighthouse Kids Ministry. We, we can do that. And the Lord says, okay, good. What is it that he wants you to do? Let's spend the next five minutes thinking about that, listening to the song, and allowing God to speak to us. And then maybe something you want to write down in your prayer request form. You write that out. You may want to set aside an offering for later, and you can put all that stuff in the back as you leave today. But let's ask these things of God as we spend these next few minutes just listening to Him.
Let's do it.